0: could just be in me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
1: You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities.
0: Good morning, peeps, and welcome to OKF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the bunker. Folks, uh this recording is taking place before the hearings that will happen with the House Commission. So, we will be covering that in the next show. But I want to bring to you today a conversation once again, for our pride is a riot series with my friend, activist, uh, writer, trans activist, uh, writer, advocate Teek Milan. You know, I have had throughout my many, many years as an activist, as an advocate, uh, as a policy wonk have had a love, hate relationship with pride and, Because of the capitalist nature of it, right? What I'm finding, and we're seeing it right now with Juneteenth, Juneteenth becoming a federal holiday means that corporations want to dig their hands into how they can make money. Right off of the the, something that is about the sanctity of our freedom as black people and the travesty that Juneteenth, even as a holiday, needed to exist because it was the last of the enslaved Africans that would hear of their freedom. Right. And now you have fucking corporations turning around and making ice cream and t shirts to sell back to the very communities that they extract from. Right. And so with pride, you know, I, when I first came out, I was so excited to attend, you know, my first pride parade, my first pride parties, because, you know, as a young queer person and the times are different now, but I just want to imagine, you know, bring you back to a time And imagine what it was like before there was marriage equality, before you saw, you know, corporations lifting up rainbow flags before, you know, you had politicians even uttering the word gay or lesbian. You know, I grew up in a time where don't ask, don't tell was hailed as progressive, right? I grew up in a time when, you know, Ellen DeGeneres had lost her job because she came out and said that she was gay and on the cover of a magazine. And then you didn't hear from her for well over a decade. So when that is the kind of imagery that's being reinforced to you, you know, through acts of policy, through your church, through your community, the whole idea around pride was to take you from a place of being invisible to visibility. Take you to a place where the world is telling you that you should be ashamed of who you are, of who you love, of your, of your humanity, right? That you are an embarrassment and an abomination. You know, the other day I, I said that there was a self-proclaimed Christian fascist mob that rolled up on a gay bar in the gay neighborhood of Dallas, Texas. And that one of those disgusting house members, Lauren Bobart, you know, the one that wants to wield around her nine millimeter gun had the audacity to tweet and say that those kids shouldn't be at a, you know, be at a drag bar, be at pride celebrating with their families. They should be at church. Bitch, I don't know if you haven't seen what has happened to the church over the past 20 fucking years. You mean all of the pedophilia and actual grooming that has been done at the hands of religious figures who were given children as a way to guide and love them and didn't, and then come to find out That Lauren Boebert's own fucking disgusting ass husband served time in prison for what you ask? Well, let me tell you. Come to find out, he exposed himself to a group of teenage girls at a bowling alley. Don't believe me? Go ahead and Google it. So, what comes up for me is that these people who have the audacity to tell, queer people that we should be ashamed, that we should be the ones that are kept away from civilized society because we are the ones that are harming children. Well, I want you to pull back the fucking cloak, right? And look under what it is that these people actually stand for and who they stand with, like the Matt Gateses of the world, right? Like the Jeffrey Epstein's of the world, Daily Coast has done, I think maybe now they're in their 40 part series of sexual abusers, pedophiles, and harassers that have been charged and convicted within the Republican party. So I say all of that to say that we are at a time Going back to a really dark time in our society where the LGBTQ community, particularly trans people have been made a target of the right. And we are being forced during our pride month and celebration to be worried about our safety, to be worried about whether or not our children are going to be able to be safe talking about their families their community in their schools right and so i have this love hate relationship with pride now once again because i see the commodification of it right without any of the integrity behind it i see these corporations that are so quick to rainbow up their websites and you know and their twitter feeds and all of these things but then they give money To the Lauren Boberts, the Donald Trumps, and the Matt Gateses of the world, so I'm like, you can't have it both ways. So I would love it for all of us, for pride, to go back to a space where it originated from, which was there is the society at large that has deep problem with people owning who they are and challenging the fucking status quo, and because of that right they are trying to force us back into the closet to criminalize our very existence and so this month in speaking with so many bold brilliant queer people i just want to remind all of us you know what pride is really about and sure it is about the fucking glitter and the thongs and the music and the rainbows and the good time because that is our way of saying fuck you to heteronormativity of saying, fuck you to those who tried to coerce us right into believing that there was something wrong with us. And so I want, as you know, we are seeing the continued commodification, the continued assault against the trans community in general, right? That all of us, whether you are a part of the queer community or an ally, use this month as an opportunity to learn more, right? About our origins, to learn more about how you can be an active ally. And it doesn't just mean attending a pride parade, right? Or going to a pride event. It means that we are under assault once again, that we are being placed with targets on our back stuffed and put back into a closet. And so if you have a platform or in a position of power to offer your voice, then please, please, I urge you to do so. Coming up next, my conversation with my friend, activist, model, author, Teek Milan. The Damage Report with John Iderola is one of the most popular shows on the TYT network that serves as your daily breakdown of the genuine threats and challenges facing our country and world. These days, we're confronted with an overwhelming sea of shocking, confounding, and devastating news stories. The Damage Report is your life raft, helping you navigate the day's news and understand the damage caused by the corrupt establishment, politicians, corporations, and everything in between. Join The Damage Report's notorious fan club, The Dragon Squad, where you become part of a fantastic community of progressives create a fun dragon nickname that fits your personality collaborate and participate in fun activities like voting for the garbage person of the week and much more listen to the damage report on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcast if you like what you hear be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode Folks, I am very happy to be joined on Woke AF today by longtime friend, activist, speaker, writer, all the amazing things, Teak Milan. Um, Teak, we, you know, are living in extraordinary times. I don't even know some days where to start with the interviews that I'm doing. Um, But I want to start with this. We know through the history of our community that pride began as a riot. Pride was about uh, Black trans women leading the charge to fight back against police brutality uh, in New York uh, at Stonewall. And since the inception of this fight of resistance, pride has kind of become commercialized. It has become a part of the capitalistic cog in the wheel. Mm -hmm. What do you think about pride now versus what pride began as?
1: Yeah. I mean, I love pride. I really do. I love pride month. I love pride season. It's a great time for us to get together as a community and to celebrate, you know, how far we've come as, 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 as a community, as people, right. As LGBTQ people. And you're right. It did start off as a riot. And I think, I think it has lost some of that edge I think you know I really do love the celebratory spirit of pride, but what really kind of pisses me off is how it can get so exploited. All of the rainbows everywhere of companies who don't give a damn about LGBTQ people, who are not really invested in like diversifying their candidate pool, who are not interested in making sure you have an LGBTQ people in positions of leadership and decision making positions, and it's just kind of displacating and just it's just turned into a product, right? So that that is kind of disheartening that what started off as a protest and as kind of like a our freedom song, our, our, our cry for, for freedom and equality has turned into, has been commodified and packaged in rainbows and it's being sold back to us. But I think that that is the nature of this country. This yeah. is what we do. You know, and I, you know, that we seen it with Juneteenth. We saw it with, you know, Black Lives we, Matter. Oh, you saw the ice cream? Girl. <laughs> and, and they have a place that said, it's the freedom for me, Girl. <laughs> Whose idea was that? You know, there were no black people in the room when they decided to do that. Right. So it is kind of disheartening to see that that's happening with that. That has happened with pride. It's going to continue to happen. But I think, you know, so with that being said, so then what? So then what do we do? So I think for for those of us like you and me who are considered leaders in in you know in our communities, how can we leverage those privileges that we have? How can we le- leverage our influence and our power and our leadership capabilities to make sure people don't forget that this started off as a fight, that this was a riot? So we can celebrate, okay? But go ahead and throw those punches with a smile on your face, right? But make sure you throw those punches, you know. So I think it's up to us as leaders in the community to make sure that we don't forget where we came from as, as, as a pride community, and also to lay out some better blueprints for the future of pride.
0: When you see Teak, all of the policy attacks that are particularly being waged against trans youth in this country, in places like Florida and Texas and Tennessee and Oklahoma and Mississippi, right. It's happening across the country. Yeah. Do you think that this, unlike with marriage equality, which was its own fight, do you think that these attacks, particularly around don't say gay, right? Trans kids can't participate in sports, do you think that this will be the galvanizing force or forces to get us back to the roots of what pride was about our resistance? Or have we just become too comfortable and complacent?
1: I think we've come we've become too comfortable and complacent. I'm really it's I'm really scared about this all this legislation that's happening right now. Uh, particularly we have like Roe v. Wade actually being on the chopping block and just the precedent that, that can set and how that's going to trickle down. And then not for nothing, even if the Supreme Court doesn't even if if the Supreme Court doesn't make these bad decisions. These the states are already empowered to take away people's rights, and I think people are really complacent. And I think there are too many people in the queer community who are not invested in the lives of trans people, particularly that of of, of black and brown trans people, because they got their marriage equality, they got their house out of Fire Island, and they're having a good time. Um, and so, and, you know, and I think what we have to understand it has to be all of us or none of us. And the thing that yep. really that's that's like. That's really frustrating uh, about it is that people can be, you have people who are gatekeeping in these organizations who are not necessarily, who aren't really doing the hard work and the nuanced work that needs to happen. And that's why I implore people that who are, who are allies that if they're gonna donate time and resources, donate your resources to grassroots organizations. Like I love the Human Rights Campaign and I love Glad and I love all these organizations that are doing this, but they sucking in millions and millions of dollars and are just on the surface. We have other organizations like the Marcia P. Johnson Project and Anti-Violence uh, Anti- Project who are really like doing like groundwork. And those are the people who need our funding and those are the people who we really need to be listening to. But I think just a lot of people are just really comfortable where they are, where they are and are really comfortable with like turning away from it, turning away from it and maybe, I don't know, retweeting or, you know, hashtagging or whatever and calling that um, solidarity when it's just like performance. Nobody's really ready to get their hands dirty and it feels like folks aren't really ready to get uncomfortable. And the only people that are really doing it is us. It's the black trans folks who are out here doing it and, and the black queer folks who are out here doing it. And I'm tired, really.
0: You know, it's, it, it, it is really interesting because I've been thinking about this a lot which is the fact that I don't think that within the LGBTQ community, we've done a really good job of continuing to embrace and tr- the trans part of the community. I think that these attacks are able to be waged I- at a statewide level at a national level because ch- the trans community is low hanging f- fruit oh, yeah. because we, and, and so What do you, where do you see the breakdown is that we have had amongst ourselves that has allowed this kind of setup to be what it is right now?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, how have we allowed this to happen? Again, I think that folks are not necessarily. Putting all of their, their resources and time to to the organizations and to the people who can really speak to this issue, right? But I also think it's it's bigger than the queer community because what's happening is this assault on trans bodies is because it's because we exist. Transgender people, us being self-determined in our gender, and us saying that we can, we're gonna live the way we want, we're gonna look the way we want, despite what gender we are assigned, with despite what our body parts are, despite how people say masculinity and femininity, if femininity is supposed to look in the world. When we do that, we are kind of just turning patriarchy on its head. Yeah. It makes the United makes America. America is, is, is patriarchy, which gives all of these old white men all of their power is patriarchy, right? And so what we are doing just by existing, we are we are dismantling the patriarchy just by existing in our skin, and they can't take it. And that is something that's bigger than the community. So it's not even, it's not necessarily just about the LGBTQ. This is an assault on gender and trying to tell people, trying to legislate us out of existence in order to hold on to this, like, heteronormative nuclear family, this very white Of cis kind of life. And that's, and us, this being in the world, is saying that that's not it. Like, that could be some people's lives, but it's not all of us. We really complicate the human experience to the point where people just can't take it. They can't take us because the thing is, is that you have people in power. And the only reason that they are in power is because they're standing on, on the necks of us. The yep. only reason people are in power is because they create this binary system of gender, these binary systems of sexuality that are just power structures. These are made up power structures. And we are chipping away at that power structure. And they would rather kill us than lose mm. power. That's what's happening. So I think it's bigger than just the LGBT community. This is about. This is about this country. This is about... Just the, the the power structures and the performance and the, the the performance of gender and what that looks like. This is about talking about gender in a different way and understanding that gender is something that is self determined. It's something that is not imposed. And I think if more people understood that, I think the world would be a better place. You know, I think if people understood. It's you know, the more people are, that are understanding it, it's getting really scary for those who don't.
0: You know, I I, I want to dig into what you just said here because I think that it was presented in just the right way. That gender is something that is not imposed, that you don't impose your will on other people. And so when we think about what we were taught and how we were, how we were uh, subscribed to heteronormativity and to cis culture, it is through this idea that men do this and women do this. The biggest pushback that we hear from quote, the the opposition, and I don't even want to call them the opposition because these people are truly evil. It isn't just a, it, it isn't just like an opposition. We have a difference of opinion. You yep. literally are trying to kill us. So exactly. the 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 thing that I want to say is that the common refrain is that they don't want people just doing whatever they want, right? That the desire here is about, it is about control. So can you connect the dots for folks as to why, if they are concerned about Roe v. Wade, which they should be because it's dead, why Mm -hmm. they should also be concerned about the, the pushback, uh, and the assault on trans people and trans bodies and trans lives, Mm -hmm. because there is a connection there because it's about power.
1: That's right. It's about power. The assault on trans lives is a stepping stone to an assault on cis lives. So it has all of us or none of us. Like this, they you know folks are, are are playing are playing chess, and other people are playing fucking Candyland. You know what I'm saying? Like when they're assaulting trans people, and this is they're dismantling these rights as a way of controlling people, particularly tro- controlling women's bodies, as a way of of creating more power for men, and absolutely destroying and legislating trans people out of existence. So all of these things are happening with trans people before we got you know so, before somebody spilled the tea about Roe v. Wade. It was leading up to that this so they're setting a precedent you know and it's, this is this is very scary stuff that's happening and people have to be able to connect those dots that's what i'm saying we all we all have to be fighting for 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 one another because if because one day they're going to come for you the next day they're going to come for me they're going to come for all of us yep in order to keep power so i think it's really important for people to really be if they're involved with, with what's going on with roe v wade and are fighting for that they have to be fighting for the lives of trans people you have to be fighting for the lives of black people right? This is about, and that's the thing, like change really happens when you start with the needs of the people on the margins. Yep. Yep. If yep. you start to look at the needs of the people on the margins and you start to fill that up, it is going to trickle in. It's going to help all of us. And, and, and I don't think that people understand it. Even like people who are organizing don't understand it. People in, in our government don't understand that. It's really important to start looking at what's happening in the trans community, what's happening with black people. Listen to us Fill these voids. See what our nuanced needs are, and 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 rest assured, the culture is going to elevate for everybody else. But people are always starting at the center of of of, of the power, and it doesn't work like that because the power structure is just going to keep just calling in everything to stay in power. Whereas folks who are on the margins, we're saying, listen, we are talking about how we can make things equitable. That's what yep. we want, Woody. Yep. So that is like what is needed for all of us so that we could all have an equal playing field. And we are the ones that people need to be listening to, but they're not, you know, and that's and that's the connection here. And I don't think that people are are necessarily making,
0: you know, you have been able to both live in the United States and outside of the United States. And I want to get just your 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 perspective on. What you have been able to see in other places and the acceptance or lack thereof of trans people, mm-hmm. what we could potentially learn or not. Um, and are you thinking, this is a question that I'm asking in this these interview series, about leaving?
1: I'm definitely thinking about leaving. I was just talking to my my daughter's mother about that uh, yesterday. I was, I was just in Costa Rica for three weeks. I spent a month in Costa Rica a few, few years ago. I was just down there recently thinking about buying some property down there. Um, and my, uh, my ex-wife and my daughter just moved down to Texas, which is really scary. From Toronto, I right? saw
0: actually. <laughs>
1: yeah, so they're in Dallas now. So, but when I was in Toronto and we were going through our divorce, and we, you know, it was it was a pretty like nasty custody battle. But we're we're here now. Um, I was really terrified that my transness was going to be weaponized, and they were going to try to take my child away from me, right? But the but the the, the courts in, in Ontario in, in Canada, they said well, they don't play that at all. It was like we do not do that here you be a trans has absolutely nothing to do with your ability to be a father. Like they, like they shut that down before I can even really get into it, you know? And I really, really respected that about how they were uh, legislating around with with trans folks and living in Canada. It's just, it's just very different. It's very different. It's not, there, there isn't like this vicious aggressive attack against trans folks. I mean, you're going to have people who are transphobic, but for the most part, when I was in, in Canada, the Canadian government, um, Really had a better understanding of the humanity of trans folks. There's tons and tons of resources there. Um, and 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 this is the thing. I think a lot of people, particularly Black folks, we need to start getting out of the United States. This idea that the United States is the only place for us is bullshit. This yeah. idea that the United States is exceptional—that's a bunch of bullshit. I was just down in I was just down in Costa Rica, and I had a and I had an injury. You know, I got an X-ray for sixty dollars. For me to get an X-ray, the United States would have cost me hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Like this, the, this country ain't it, right? It, they're, they're 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 like playing in our faces right now. And I think it's really important for us to kind of just on a global scale be looking at where are the other places that we can go and stop believing. It's like drinking the Kool-Aid that there are no other places on this planet for LGBTQ people or Black queer people because there are. I was just in Costa Rica; there's tons of queer people there. It's it is just it's nothing. We're just living. It's just it's the power. Yeah. St- in the United States. And it's not, the thing is the United States in the, in the, in the form that it is and where it's going is not sustainable. And it does yep. worry. me, particularly yep. as a mother. I have a four-year-old daughter. What is going to be of this country in 30 years when she's 34 years old? What's going to be here for my baby? Like, I don't know. And it, it you know, it's, it's one of the things that can keep me up at night.
0: You know, I want to uh, switch gears, at, um, because you have done, and you continue to do a lot of work on, un- unpacking masculinity, mm-hmm. right? Understanding masculinity, Um, In both its value, but also in its toxicity. And I want to get your thoughts on what we have seen or how I particularly Fox News and Tucker Carlson have been weaponizing masculinity um, with these very fragile white cis men, uh, straight men who you know, believe that testosterone levels are going down. And this is why I need an AR-15 and I got to tan my balls and I got to do, I mean, this is actual, like actual things, documentary, documentary. I use that with air quotes that they have done. And it's all wrapped around this, I, this idea of replacement, right. And the idea of the low birth rate, Um, And so I I, want to get your sense of how all of this is being used and discussed.
1: So you want to get I'm sorry, you went on a little bit. You said you want to get my sense of what now?
0: Of of how masculinity is being talked about and how toxic masculinity seems to be running rampant on these networks like Fox News and with Tucker Carlson.
1: Yeah. Like it's desperate. It just looks so desperate. It's a desperate power grab. And here's the thing. When I talk about masculinity, I always talk about an organic masculinity, a masculinity that is tethered to your spirit. And what's, what? how masculinity has been defined is you are a man because you are not a woman. You are masculine because you're not feminine. You are a man because of who you can control, because of who you have power over, because of who you're competing with. But when you take away all of that, what is left of you? And that's yes. what's happening. That's what's happening. Women are taking work. Women saying, I don't need, heterosexual women particularly say, I don't need to be married. Marriage is is a scam. I don't need to be married. I don't need a man. I could do all these things on my own, and so men are like, oh, these, you know, the incels, like, oh, these women—they're so independent; they don't need, you know, they, like, like marriage is the like marriage is the prize. And a lot of women are saying, no, it's not. And these men don't know what to do, and they become and they become repressed, and become resentful, and they become angry, and they become violent. It's because the only way they have ever been able to define themselves is in relation to everything they can can control. And what happens? We have more mm. people who are self-determined in their gender and self-determined in their life, and take control over it. That takes away control from them, thereby taking away their personhood. Because their humanity is based on control, and that's the thing. And it's like men need to do some soul searching. Like, just take this, take all of that away, and just look inside yourself and define yourself for yourself. And for me, I think and this is another thing. I think being a healthy man for me, what I realized as a trans person, I was looking for all of these. I was looking for heterosexual men to tell me how to be a man.
0: Yeah, thinking
1: uh-huh. too. I was drinking the Kool Aid, and I was like, the way these they, I don't like this. I <laughs> don't like nothing that y'all did to <laughs> And, and I had to really check myself and say, Teek, you know, you are 40 years old, you've been in queer communities, you were 14. I was raised by butches, stone butches, gay men in these communities. Right. So like I got my I, I you know, I think I'm a good man. I think I have a healthy masculinity, but my healthy masculinity came from the blueprints that came from masculine women, and that came from gay men and came from the queer community, watching how we did masculinity. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Watching, watching gay men love their, their platonic friends. Watching people afraid of their own emotions, you know, watching watching butch women like stand up and be nurturing and take care of their families and be providers and be protectors. Like I learned masculinity from from these folks here, you know, and I think and I think that that's important to look at different modes of masculinity, looking at different ways in which it can exist, because I think that heterosexual heteronormative cisgender masculinity, I think it's sociopathic. I think it's toxic. I think it's tell me. Come on. sick i really do there's a sickness there and i and it's and it's just so bizarre it's just so bizarre i you know and it's just uh, i don't know but that's but that's the thing i think it's really important to start to define masculinity outside of what we can't control men need to do that but then also but the thing is the flip side of that in order to do that means you have to be vulnerable but here's the thing what what are men taught men taught men are taught that to be be vulnerable vulnerable it's to be weak weak. and to be feminine Exactly. So you can't. But the thing is, is that's a bunch of bullshit. Because actually, vulnerability is the other side of courage. Yep. it's the other side of bravery. You got to be vulnerable enough to. You have to be courageous enough to be vulnerable. You got to be vulnerable enough to be brave. They're saying like you can't. These men, they can't win.
0: They can't win. Last question for you, Teague. We are in the midst of a culture and political breakdown. Do mm-hmm. you believe? That there is an opportunity for a breakthrough or this is just going to be a breakdown and and the pieces are going to fall. The people are going to fall. And from that dust, something else will come.
1: You know, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I just don't I don't see you know, a, a breakthrough. If a breakthrough is going to happen, it's going to happen after something really, really bad happens like you know like like this country is hard-headed you know you got to really feel it you know what i'm saying so something bad is going to have to happen like worse than what's happening now i'm like
0: worse? is what i'm like what do you mean something <laughs> bad's about to happen we've had three mass shootings in three fucking weeks
1: and people still like uh, people still uh, want to get the air 15s like it doesn't like it's just like common sense is not that common and it's really scary when, when we don't have common sense legislation in this country where are we going here you know and then I'm, and I was just reading this article today about how DeSantis in Florida has like just gerrymandering and re- moved move things yep. around to, dis, dis, uh, to to disenfranchise black voters this is just it's happening all over like it's where this the country is on the slippery slope downward and I even read an article and they said that the United States there's a I guess there's an index where they rank all of the countries and I think yeah a healthy
0: first- democracy it's the first time that we're not a healthy where we're actually a um backsliding democracy.
1: Exactly. And, yeah. it's, and it's and we're going downhill and this is going to go faster and faster because people aren't really to do the, ready to do the vulnerable or courageous work and people want to hold on to power. And if that means, and if the few people, a few of them will hold on to the power at the expense of the rest of us. Yeah. And, and that's just it. Like it is in our culture. Like it's not, I think it's even like past the legislation, but this is like in our culture. And I don't know what kind of breakthrough we need. I know, I think, you know, what, I think, I think black folks, I think we just need to leave.
0: Yeah. And I mean, in all honesty, this is the consistent refrain that I'm hearing from Black queer people, that I'm hearing from Black straight people, that I'm hearing um, from those that occupy different identities, marginalized identities, are getting to the point where they're just like, yeah, I'm starting to do my research, figure out where I can go, what kind of work I can do. If we can all be remote, then I don't need to be here. Right. Like, and, and so it's like, so that's the thing. It's like, if I can be remote and I'm still pulling in a salary, I don't need to live in violence. I don't need to live in fear. And so what does that look like? And where can I go?
1: That's right. When you have the means and that's the thing, and that's privilege, like having yep. options is a privilege. Right. And so I think it's important if we have options then take and then take advantage of those options. I know it's a black lesbian couple that just built a house in Mexico. They are out, they're gone. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking at buying a property in Costa Rica. I was just talking to somebody the other day. Cheap? I'm out. Like it's leave yeah. If, yeah. if you can. If you can leave, and then think about the ways in which you could be in solidarity with those that that that, that, that can't. Can. think that saying that you know just leave. I know that feels big, and it could be like hyperbolic for some people. It may even seem doesn't even seem like feasible, but that's because we have been taught that this is our only option. But I think people are realizing that we have other options. We have the freedom of movement. If you have freedom of movement, I implore you: see the world, get your passport, see the world, see if there's another place where you can live a, a good and healthy life. Like even like health, like like our souls here, our conscious, like it's so much anxiety. Like I'm anxious. Yeah. Like, I started going to therapy in 2020. Just because I was like, I, can't, I don't know what the fuck is going on. You know what I'm saying? Like this is like it's it's a, it's a toxic to our physical health, our spiritual and mental health. And if you can get out of here for a little bit, if you can just you work in role, well, even take a month and get away and come back, but just do something. But this this is not it. This is not the only place for us. There's there's we belong anywhere in the world where we are going to be treated as human beings and are going to be. Uh, under and Live uh, under a government that is d- democratic and that actually cares about the needs of the people and listens to the people. And the United States is not that.
0: Teek Milan, thank you so much for making the time to join Woke AF. We appreciate you, your voice, your activism, your power, Boy. and your truth always. Always. Thank so good you. to see you, Danielle. Good to see you. Take
1: care, honey. Bye.
0: Hey there, I want to tell you about another podcast I think you'll love. The Brown Girl's Guide to Politics, hosted by Ashanti Gohler, the president of Emerge. BGG is the one-stop shop for women of color who want to hear and talk about the world of politics. Join Ashanti this season as she talks to incredible women of color who are changing the face of politics and tackling some of the most important issues facing the United States. From reproductive justice to voting rights to climate change and more. Tune in every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts.
1: elevated.